take your Bibles and turn with us to the book of Judges, chapter number 3. I want to tell you, there's only one way to worship God. You know that? And that's on purpose. You will never worship God on accident. You'll only worship Him on purpose. And I'll tell you something that I have. I thank God for this. Pastoring has helped me uh, with this. And it's not just because I'm a pastor. This is, God just used that in my life. He'll use it in your life. If you ever really learn how to worship God, here's what you'll have to do. You'll have to get past problems to worship God. Your problems. You cannot let the problems of your life dictate how you worship or you're going to be all over the page. You'll be, you'll be, there's some people get up and testify when they're going through problems, they'll sink us all down in the boat with them. You're going to have to get past your problems to worship God. Worship is not about my problems. Can I get an amen? And then you'll have to get past some people to worship. Amen. If the only time, look at me, church, I'm fixing to read, but look at me. If the only time you worship God, you ever seen them matches that they only strike on their box? I don't know if they even make them no more, do they? Amen. I come from a long line of cigarette smokers. Amen. And uh, they had them matches. You know, they just struck on their own box. Some people's that way when they go to worship. If it's their singers, if it's their preacher, if it's the person they like that testifies, well, they'll get raptured out. Y'all know that? But then the next one gets up. I don't like them too well. That's not real worship. You better get past. Hey, I've had to worship against people, or I had to worship with people. I knew they hated my guts. You say, how'd you know that? Because they went around and told a bunch of people stuff. You know what I did? I said, they get up and sing. I get, call them sing. And even my wife would say, why in the world you call on them? They hate your guts. They've said stuff about you. You know what? It ain't about them, is it? I ain't disagreeing with her. I mean, she had some common sense in what she said. Amen. I, in my flesh, I'd have never called on. But you know what? Worship isn't about who I want to sing. It ain't about who I want to get up and preach. It's about what God wants. Isn't that right? And I'm only interested in one thing when I come to church. And it's what Brother Laddie talked about. I, I want to see Jesus, don't you? I want God to be real. And I never want to pull out of the parking lot and say, man, I didn't get in on whatever God was doing. Amen. I want to preach a few minutes this morning from the book of Judges, chapter number 3. If you'll stand with us, as sermon number 1 is just on my heart. But sermon number 2 is on my heart this morning. I do pray that it will help us. I really feel a burden about what I'm going to preach this morning because I think it's a needed message uh, for this hour. Amen. And I have a burden for the lost but this morning I have a greater burden right now for us as the church. Judges chapter 3 and verse number 12. The Bible says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon the king of Moab against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel, and possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served Eglon the king of Moab eighteen years, but when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gerar, a Benjaminite, a man left-handed. And by him the children of Israel 
Israel sent and sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. But Ehud made a dagger which had two edges of a cubit length, and he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab, and Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had made an end to the offer of the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself turned again from the quarries that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, Keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. And Ehud came unto him and was sitting in a summer parlor, which he had, had, which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of his seat. And Ehud put forth his left hand and took the dagger from, his, from the, his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. And the haft also went in after the blade and the fat closed upon the blade so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly and the dirt came out. Then Ehud went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the, of the parlor unto, unto him and locked them. And when he had gone out, his servants came. And when they saw that, behold, the doors of the parlor uh, were locked, they said, Surely he covereth his feet in the summer chamber. And they tarried till they were ashamed. And behold, he opened not the doors of the parlor. Therefore they took a key and opened them. And behold, their Lord was fallen down dead on the earth. Let's bow for prayer. Then you can be seated. Father, I ask you this morning to give us a special touch. I pray the Holy Spirit would work through our church this morning. Lord, help every individual, but especially those individuals that may stand in special need spiritually today. I pray for the will of God to be done, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Very quickly this morning, I want you to notice three things by way of introduction, and then I'll give you the message that God has laid upon our heart. There's no doubt uh, this is a very interesting story that we have read today. And I want to draw your attention to three specific things. First of all, I want you to notice the politician in verses 12 through 14 uh, by the name of Eglon. And when we think about Eglon, I want you to see his sovereignty in verse 12. The Bible said the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel. Why? Because they'd done evil in the sight of the Lord. Every time God's people would walk away from him and do evil, God would allow them to go into captivity. And by the way, whenever you and I walk away from God and we let sin in our life, that's exactly what it brings. It brings captivity and it brings bondage in our own life. So when we think about this politician by the name of Eglon, that we see his sovereignty, that God, he's the king of Moab, but God raised him up uh, to use him and he reigned over Israel for 18 years. Now that's important because it's 10 years longer than what the previous king had reigned over them. That reminds us of the chastisement of God in our life uh, when we do not listen and we walk away from God. Yes, he may deliver us, but if we go back into that sin, the chastisement is going to be greater the second time than what it was the first time. And so we see here his sovereignty. Then notice his strength in verse number 13. Look what this king does. He gathers unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek who are also pictures of the flesh and he smote Israel and possessed the cities of the palm trees. Now listen, King Eglon and Amalek and Ammon all of them are pictures and types of the flesh. Amen? That is their symbolism in these verses here. And they strengthen themselves against the people of God and they take them captive. You know what your flesh and my flesh wants to do today? 
today. It wants to take us captive. Amen. It wants to keep us in bondage just like we're seeing in this text and just like the children of Israel. Many of God's people today, though they worship God and they go to church, uh, they live in bondage of their own flesh. Amen. And so we see the, his servants here. The Bible says in verse number 14, so the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, for 18 years. Now, here's the question this morning, in my mind and yours, uh, is who am I serving? Amen? Who am I a slave to this morning? You see, I can be a bond slave to the Lord Jesus Christ and serve Him and live in victory and live in joy and walk in fellowship of the Spirit of God and listen, have the blessings of God on my life, uh, or I can be a servant to my own self this morning uh, and I can live by the flesh and walk in the flesh uh, and live in captivity and bondage uh, and not have the joy of the Lord which is our strength. Amen. I'm telling you there's a lot of people living that way today and when I think about this politician I think about who he symbolizes. Uh, He's a symbol of the flesh Uh, and notice his size in verse number 17 the Bible said that he brought the present unto Eglon king of Moab now notice this. Eglon was a very fat man. Amen. The Bible says he was a fat man. What does that speak about? It speaks about self indulgence. Amen. Here's a man that had no discipline. Here's a man uh, uh, that had no uh, he had no control, no temperament over his own flesh and so uh, he was a very fat man. Uh, and you know what that speaks of? Uh, hey, that's the flesh, friend. Uh, you know the flesh has one desire and that's to fulfill the desires of the flesh. Amen. Uh, the flesh wants to self indulge. Uh, uh, that's what you and I are constantly struggling with uh, is to keep our flesh where it needs to be. Uh, our flesh is just like this king in this text. Uh, uh, it wants to self-indulge uh, in everything. Uh, uh, you know what the flesh can do? The flesh can take a good thing and turn it into a sinful thing uh, because it doesn't know how to control anything. Uh, it has one desire like this man and that's to feed its flesh, feed its desire. This morning, the politician by the name of Eglon. Then notice the patriot in our text in verse number 15 by the name of Ehud. The Bible mentions him in verse number 15 and talks about his beginning. The children of Israel cried unto the Lord and the Lord raised up a deliverer by the name of Ehud, the son of Gerah, a Benjamite, a man left-handed. And by him the children of Israel sent a present and Eglon the king of Moab. So here we have a deliverer. We have a patriot in our text by the name of Ehud. And we see his beginning. He's a left-handed Benjamite. Listen, the Bible talks about the left hand. We'll say more about that in just a minute. But what I want you to see about him is not just his beginning, but think about his bravery. Amen? We read it in verse number 16 down to verse number 26. Ehud goes in. He brings a tribute from the nation of Israel to this king of Moab. He brought in, no doubt, to pay their taxes. He brings this tribute in. He lays it before the king and he conspires and he puts a plan together. I mean, he puts his own life on the line in order to save a nation. Amen. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus Christ did? He put his own life on the line to redeem the people of God and to purchase and buy bride, which is the church. Amen. And so listen, Ehud goes in and listen, he finds the king. He gives a tribute money. He puts this plan together, but he gets everyone out of this parlor and then he goes back in and he takes this man's life and he slips out the back and he's not 
done. Amen. I'm telling you, once he kills the king, you know what he does? He gathers the troops together and thank God he goes in and he defeats Moab and he gives Israel a great victory. Amen. Now, I would call this man a patriot, amen? And his battle is mentioned in verse 27 through 30. So we see the politician, we see the patriot. But here's what I want to preach on a few minutes tonight or this morning. And I set all that to build up to this one thought. Uh, notice with me in verse number 17 here, or verse number 20. I want you to see the parlor, amen? The Bible said that Ehud came unto him. Notice what Eglon was doing. He was sitting in a summer parlor, a summer parlor. Notice verse 23, and Ehud went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon him and locked them. Verse 24, when he was gone out, his servants came and when they saw that, behold, the doors of the parlor was locked. Amen. Verse 25, and they tarried till they were ashamed and behold, he opened not the doors of the parlor. Uh, why? Because they were locked. Now think about this uh, politician. Think about this patriot that goes in and takes his life. Uh, I want you to think about this parlor. Think about this summer parlor. I want to preach a few minutes this morning morning on that subject on summer parlors. Amen. Summer parlors. You say, Brother Gravely, what in the world are you talking about? Well, I read that and I looked up Brother Laddie. I said, what is a summer parlor? You know what a summer parlor is? It is a small room that is built on the roof of the house with open windows to catch the breeze. It has a door on the side of it so that visitors on the outside of that little room so that visitors can come in and visit. So here's what a summer parlor represents. Uh, it's a cool place. Amen. It's a place where you can sit down and cool off. Uh, it's a comfortable place. Uh, it's a place uh, where you can get comfortable. Amen. That's what a summer parlor is. Uh, is. Uh, it's a concealed place. Uh, it's a place where uh, you can get away uh, and you can hide and you can just do what you want to. Uh, a summer parlor is a controlled place. Uh, you're allowed to, in your little parlor to let in who you want to and who you don't want to. Your parlor is your place. It's your me time, so to speak. It's a place for you to just pull away and to sit down. Well, here's what you got. You got a big fat king, the Bible says, and he's sitting in a summer parlor and he's cooling off. He's doing what the flesh wants to do. He's just taking in. He's just comfortable. He's just controlling his life. That's what the flesh does. Uh, he's just sitting there uh, uh, doing absolutely nothing, amen. Uh, he's a picture and a type of the flesh. Uh, that's what the flesh does. Uh, the flesh builds summer parlors, amen. Well, I preached last Sunday on summer is nigh. Well, this morning I want to preach on summer parlors. Because if there's anything that gets people in trouble in summertime, it'd be these parlors. It'd be the flesh. You say, Brother Gravely, what are you talking about? Oh, I'm talking about the flesh still loves to build some summer parlors. Amen? Uh, listen, the flesh, uh, don't you let your flesh build a summer parlor. It loves to build these parlors. Why? Because it's all about cooling down. It's all about comfort. It's all about, the flesh is all about control. Uh, the flesh is all about uh, uh, me. Amen? Uh, and doing what I want and indulgence. Uh, he was a fat man because he self-indulged. Uh, that's what the flesh does in these parlors. Uh, 
I think you'll get the message here in just a second. I'm talking about some summer parlors that people build, like the lake on Sunday. That's a summer parlor, amen? People like to go down to the lake and take their bass boat on Sunday. Listen, they like to hit the contemporary service, you know, the eight o'clock morning service where they get a little sermonette and a song and then they can pull their bass boat out of the parking lot and go spend the rest of the day on the lake and just spend time with creation, you know? You know, what is it, Mother Nature, you know? They worship God at 8 a.m. and they spent the rest of the day worshiping Mother Nature as if there is one. There is no Mother Nature. There's a God that sits in heaven that spoke everything into existence. But you got the tree huggers and the sun worshipers and you got the lake worshipers. They like to build summer parlors, amen. I'm talking about the ball field, amen. The campgrounds, amen. I'm talking about Sunday afternoon cookouts that cause you to miss church on Sunday night. I'm talking about the amusement parks and all the parks and the picnics and the playgrounds and the places that people go. You say, Brother Grantley, are you against these things? Not in and of themselves. But I am against them under two conditions. Number one, when they take the place of the house of God. And number two, when they cause you to backslide in summertime. I'm telling you, we ought to not change our convictions because of the season we ought not change our church attendance because of the seasons we ought not change our countenance because of the seasons are y'all still with me this morning now I don't know everything but I've been pastoring Baptist long enough to know this that sometimes you can always tell the seasons of life especially in the south how they affect some people these summer parlors you say what do you mean I'm talking about they'll come in on Sunday morning and they'll miss Sunday school and they'll come dragging in, you know. And they got, you know, they got bags under their eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all just, y'all, y'all quiet this morning. But I feel like preaching, amen. I wouldn't care if I was preaching a bunch of jailbirds. I feel so good in my soul and I'm not calling you jailbirds this morning. I'm just telling you I feel like preaching. Uh, you say I feel like going home. Well, you're in trouble is all I can say. Amen. Uh, don't make no quick move right now. I'm talking about summer parlors. Amen. They come in and they got bags under their eyes because they've been out till 12 o'clock uh, uh, at night, you know. Uh, or, you know, they come in and uh, uh, they've been laying out in the sun all day, you know. Uh, and their faces burn up one side and down the other uh, and they look like they're mad at the world, you know, uh, because he had to come to the house of God. Uh, I'm not against you getting outside. Don't misunderstand me. I'm telling you, in the summertime, I've been pastoring long enough to know uh, hey, some people, uh, they backslide when it comes summertime. Uh, longer days, extra activities, uh, a little bit more time uh, just knocks them out of the saddle. Hey, I wouldn't do anything this summer that I have to repent over when it comes fall of the year. Can I get a witness on that? I'm telling you, this kind of preaching will help your It'll help your family. I want to have revival in the summertime. I still want to rejoice in the summertime. I don't want to go to church and just because it's vacation time and just because people are going out and doing things. And I'm not against you doing those things. But I don't want our church to backslide because of a bunch of summer parlors. Hallelujah. Just sitting around. Letting the flesh do whatever it wants to do. Just indulge until we get overweight spiritually with the flesh. Carnality. Preacher, are you against them? Absolutely not. But don't self-indulge so much that you have to repent. Amen. I'm saying this morning, 
this man in this text indulged to the point. But here you may be sitting here and say, Preacher, I don't want to backslide this summer. How many of you, listen, don't want to backslide this summer? Raise your hand good and high and testify, if you will. I don't want to backslide this summer, and by the grace of God, I don't plan on it. Amen. I'm telling you, you don't have to backslide because it's summertime. And if you're mad right now, and it's one or two of you look like you're ticked off while I'm preaching, it's only because you're guilty, and I love you enough to tell you the truth. I don't care if you get mad enough to fry an egg on your head. I'm not out to make you mad, but I'm going to preach what God lays on my heart. If it hair lips all a hell, amen. I'm telling you, I'm going to set the plow deep this morning because it's the only hope in this hour. Hey, look at me. If you want a spiritual church, if you want to keep your children out of hell, if you want to keep your children on fire for God, you better listen to your preacher this morning. You say, you mad? No, I'm just not backing up because you give me a dirty look right now. Not being ugly, I'm being honest with you this morning. I pastored Baptist church long enough to know this. The easiest thing to do is kick it in neutral the next two and a half months. And I'll tell you what will happen. We won't have anything come fall. Amen. I'm just telling you that's the truth, friend. And I ain't even preaching hard. Amen. This ain't even hard preaching. If you can't take this this morning, then you do need some help. I'm telling you summer parlors have destroyed a lot of our churches. But when I was looking at this text, here's a question that came to my mind. I said, Lord, I don't want to let a summer parlor get the best of me. I don't want to be like Eglon to get fat physically or I'm talking about listen in the flesh and just get full of carnality all summer long and backslide on God and just indulge in whatever my flesh wants to do. Hey, there's got to be a cap on everything. And too much of anything is a bad thing other than serving God and living for Jesus Christ. I said, Lord, I don't want the summer parlors to get the best of me. How do you keep it from happening? Three things, and I'll hurry because I think some of you are not going to take much more of this. I'll tell you what it's going to take. Number one, it'll take a deliverer. I'm going to tell you, Israel is in bondage. You hear me this morning. You want to go in bondage? You backslide the summertime. You want to go in bondage? Drop your convictions because it's summertime. You want to go in bondage? Just don't listen to anything I'm saying this morning. You want to go in bondage? Get mad because I'm preaching and telling you the truth. I'm saying this morning, God sent a deliverer. He sent somebody that rose to the occasion. You know who this deliverer is? I, I think about him. I look at him in this text. Look at verse number 15. I see his training. Amen. He's a Benjamite, a man who is left-handed. You know what the left hand represents in the Bible? It represents the awkward side. It represents the weak side, the unexpected side. It represents that side that is lesser. Amen. I see this man by the name of Ehud. He's a left handed man. You know what he does? He takes the weaker side of man and he uses it. My friend, he strengthens it and he overcomes this king. Amen. I see it in his training. I see it in his trade. Look at 15 or verse 16. The Bible said, but Ehud made him a dagger. Now notice this, which had two edges of a cubit length. I mean, this man has got a trade. He knows how to make a dagger. And when he makes this dagger, guess what? It's a two-edged sword. Amen. Here's a man 
God and knows how to work on the awkward side of life. Here's a man that knows how to take the weakness of man and make it strong. Here's a man, my friend, that knows how to take the unexpected and use it and he's got a trade and it makes a two-edged sword with it. Amen. Does that sound familiar to you this morning? And I'll tell you, if you don't don't see it there, look at verse number 27. The Bible said that it came to pass when he was come, look at this, that he blew a trumpet. Amen. I'm telling you, this this man by the name of Ehud, this deliverer, he's a man with a two-edged sword and he's got a trumpet. Amen. He's a trumpet blower. Amen. I know somebody else in this book that has a two-edged sword and he made this two-edged sword that I hold in my hand. It is his word. And he also has a trumpet. Thank God. And one of these days when he comes back, he's going to blow that trumpet. And he's a deliverer just like this man. Look what Ehud says in verse 23. He said unto those, talking about the people of God, look what he said. He said, follow after me. Amen. I'm telling you, this man with his two-edged sword, this man that's got this trumpet that blows this trumpet, he makes announcement, he makes a declaration. He said, will you follow me? And you know where he's going to take them to? You know where he's going to lead them to? He's going to lead them to victory. Amen. He's going to help them win the battle. He's going to help them overcome the flesh. He's going to help them overcome the kings. He's going to give them back what they once lost. I'm telling you this morning, Jesus is coming again. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. That with it he'll smite the nations. And Bible said on his vesture and on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings. Hey, that dagger was on his thigh. And thank God Jesus had it written on his thigh. A King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. You don't want the summer parlors of this life to get you. I tell you what you need. You need a deliverer. Amen. Ehud's name simply means this. Love. Pleasant. Unite. Is that not what the Holy Spirit does? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy. Peace. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. Meekness. Temperance. Against such. There is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, if you're saved, you do. Let us also walk in the Spirit. Hey, there ought to be a desire in every person's heart this morning to be a Spirit-filled saint of God. And you can't be filled with the Spirit if you let the flesh sit on the throne in a summer parlor and just indulge and do whatever it wants. I'm telling you this morning, there's got to be a deliverer and the only one that can help me and the only one that can help you is the sweet Holy Ghost. We must be filled every day of our life. Don't raise your hand. I don't think if you are, you would, now that I think about it. But I wonder this morning, in Bible Baptist Church, I wonder how many Spirit-filled saints we have this morning. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with schedules, agendas, pleasures, busyness? I prayed this morning. I said, dear God, I don't care nothing about getting out at 12 o'clock. I pray that you'll sit down and send an old-fashioned revival to our church. I pray you'll put the devil on the run this morning. And I mean this, I mean this, what I'm about to tell you, this prayer is so heavy on my heart this morning. But I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That anyone, and I know there's some here this morning because God confirmed it at the house in my soul. Any member sitting here this morning backslid on God. 
I pray the Holy Ghost sits down right next to you this morning and you get right with God. Whatever your flimsy excuse is for being backslid, I pray you get right. Oh, listen to me. I'm not being mean. I'll tell you, we're living in such a day, it takes a lot to wake people up. I'm preaching with everything I got this morning because I want you to wake up. Wake up this morning. Them summer parlors of life. There's nothing wrong with recreation. Don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with taking a vacation. There's nothing wrong with relaxation. You've got to have those things. You've got to come apart. Don't misunderstand the message this morning. There's a difference in, in coming apart and resting a little while, spending some family time. I'm for you for taking a vacation with your family and spending some time. Just do right and just don't make it all summer long. Don't take a break on God. Don't take a break on the things of God. Take a little rest, but still serve Jesus and still keep your convictions and still keep your standard. Don't throw everything out the window because it's summertime. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? It's going to take a deliverer. Now I'll tell you what else it's going to take. Look at this. It's going to take a dagger. Look at verse number 8 to 16. But Ehud made a dagger which had two edges. That's the word of God. It'll cut you going and coming on it. It's a two-edged sword. And he did gird it under his raiment. Notice this, upon his right thigh, symbol of strength. He took that dagger, that left-handed uh, deliverer, that patriot, put it on his right thigh, and uh, he undergirded it. He made a dagger before he went in. Hey, listen, he could have went in and probably being the warrior that he was and this man being fat and overweight, he probably could have went in and took him down. But you know what he did? He just like the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, he didn't go in in his own power and his own strength. Uh, he took something in uh, that he trusted to win the victory. And you know what that was? It was a two-edged sword. Hey, the Bible said in Hebrews 4 and verse number 11, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of, his heart, of our heart. Hey, the word of God will get down in the recesses of our soul. It'll speak to us internally. Amen. You know, the Bible... It is, it's like a dagger, isn't it? You ever been sitting in church and a man of God get up and preach and I mean, it's like you just run a dagger right in you. Boy, I've been there. A man of God be up preaching and I'd be saying amen, I'd be enjoying the preaching and then all of a sudden it went, mm, right in my fat flesh. Go ahead and smile and say amen. Stuck it in a spot that it needed to be put. That's what the Holy Ghost does, amen. I can't see anybody's heart. I don't know anybody's life. I don't know what you've done this week. You don't know what I've done this week. I don't know how you've been living. You don't know how I've been living. Oh, but there's one this morning that knows how every one of us has been living. Uh, and this book's got life in it. Y'all believe this book is alive this morning? Uh, you believe this book will speak to you, amen? Uh, I'm telling you, a preacher, if he'll just pray and get a hold of God, he can get up and preach one sermon. He don't know what's going on in anybody's hearts, uh, but the Holy Ghost will take one message. Uh, he'll take it, listen, he'll break it up. Uh, and it'll be like a dagger and he'll go up and down the aisles he'll go up and down the pews and he'll put it right where it needs to be put in our flesh, amen I promise you I've never preached one sermon to you that what God didn't put it in me first 
I think He does that to keep us in our place. I live in a fleshly body just like you do. I have lustful and wicked desires just like you do. You say, I don't have any. You're lying, and we all know it. Amen. The flesh is anti-God. The flesh is wicked this morning. But I'm telling you what we need is we need a sword. We need the strength. Notice the stabbing in verse number 21. He goes inside, and the Bible said that Ehud put forth his left hand. He took the dagger from his right thigh, and the Bible said he thrust it into his belly. And the half, talking about the handle, also went in after the blade and the fat closed upon the blade so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly and the dirt came out. It's a gruesome sight. And I'm going to tell you something. That's exactly what the the dagger does. It exposes our flesh for how gruesome we really are. You know, this morning, this flesh is just gruesome. We take care of it. We clean it up, put a suit or a dress on, we come to church, we try to look decent. I think we ought to, amen. But I'll tell you, underneath this suit this morning, it's rotten flesh. Underneath your dress, your suit this morning, your clothes, is something that's anti-God. That would rather go to a cookout than a prayer meeting. Go ahead and say Amen. That would rather, that would get more excited about the lake and fishing or something else than visitation. You know something, I'll confess something to you. Something happens to me every time we have visitation. I wake up on Saturday, I look outside and one of the two things is happening. Either the sun's shining or it's, or it's raining or it's almost going to rain. And when I look outside in the sunshine, I, my flesh says this, man, it's such a beautiful day. Don't you wish you didn't have to go on visitation? He said, well, my flesh don't say that. Mine does. It says it every time we had visitation. Man, it's beautiful out. You've got so many things you need to do around the house. And, and look at the sunshine. Look, at, look how beautiful it is. Don't you wish you didn't have to go visiting today? That's what my flesh says. Always oh, been saying that ever since I've been saved. I don't get up on Saturday morning and say, man, I'm so, th- I'm so fired up about visitation. I might send a realm post out because I'm trying to rally the troops. Flesh says, man, it's beautiful outside. Just one hour. Do you wish you didn't have to convenience your day with that one hour? Then some days I look out and it looks a little dreary. It looks like it's about to rain and my flesh says this. Don't you wish you didn't have to go today? Don't you wish you could just sit inside and, and just, just you know, drink a cup of coffee and, and just kind of take it easy and what looks dreary and rainy outside? And Don't you wish you could just relax a little bit and didn't have to go out on visitation? That's flesh. Self-indulgence. But you go ahead and go, here's something else that happens on visitation. Once you get out there and once you start knocking on doors and, and you start passing out tracks and you start meeting people, boy, I mean, that hour just comes and goes in a heartbeat. Uh, and I know some of you work and can't come on Saturdays. I'm not fussing at you about that. I'm just talking about me. I want you to see how the flesh is. Uh, and you start knocking on doors. You start talking to people. You start visiting people. And then all of a sudden, you want know the flesh, or you know what something else says? Man, you don't want to quit. Isn't this good? 
Man, you get to tell people about Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you what that's not. It's not the flesh, amen? I'll tell you what is the spiritual man. You get out there and start doing what God wants you to do. I mean, that spiritual man, he's enjoying. Say, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. There's a battle. There's a struggle that went on. I'll tell you what happened. The spiritual man put a dagger in that flesh. You can't listen to the flesh. You can't do what the flesh says. You can't follow the flesh. I'm telling you this morning, there's got to be a dagger. The only thing that keeps any of us in the right way is good old-fashioned preaching. Amen. Thank God for preaching. I listened to a sermon the other day. I said, there's no way you could put that sermon on the internet. Not in this church world. People would swallow their tonsils twice. It'd make our toenails curl backwards. Some of y'all stressed out because it's ten to five minutes after 12 and I still got 15 minutes of preaching. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, you say, why are you pre-? I'm preaching on the flesh this morning. I'm preaching on summer parlors. I'm telling you this morning, the only thing that's going to keep us where we need to be at is the Word of God. There's no telling where I'd be even after I got saved. If it wasn't for some God sent and God called me and was filled with the Scriptures and filled with the Spirit and they preached under a burden and they helped my soul. Amen. And they tore down my little summer parlors so I wouldn't self-indulge. It's going to take a dagger, this book. It's going to stay in it. It's going to have to stay under it. It's going to take a deliverance, and then finally, it's going to take a death. The bottom line is, Ehud knew that if God's people would ever have deliverance, Eglon would have to die. And this morning, if you and I are going to have any victory, this old rotten flesh it has to die it will take a deliverer Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit it will take a dagger the word of God but look at verse number 23 and Ahud went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon him notice this he locked them I heard a man preach on this text years ago and he preached on when left he let fatty have it and the dirt came out Do you notice what Ehud did? He went in and put that dagger in Eglon. He's dead. The flesh has to die. But he ain't through. When he goes out, here's what he does. He locks the door to that summer parlor. I'm going to tell you, thank God for the day that a man of God, a deliverer, got up and preached that book to my soul. And I fell under conviction about my sin. I'm going to tell you something. There's still a whole lot wrong with me this morning. But I thank God for preaching. I thank God for that Bible this morning. And I thank God for the day a man of God delivered me from some of the things that my flesh would have went out there and done. But he loved me enough to look me in the eye and tell me the truth and preach to me. And I'll tell you what happened. The flesh died at an altar somewhere. One of the greatest things that ever happens when I locked the door to them summer parlors. He locked the door. I'm going to tell you, if you keep the door open to those places of comfort and control and cooling down, you'll go back to them. You're going to have to lock some doors. I'll tell you one for me. I was 15 years old. I, I lived, at the, the, I lived at, the, at the pool, the wreck pool. Loved to swim. Would go to the wreck pool from the time they opened in the 
early summer till, till late summer. He was a babysitter in a way. Me and my brother used to steal some of my mother's Christmas ornaments and sell them. I'm not lying to a man down the road who was legally blind. I'm telling you the truth. And this is on the internet and she'll probably hear about it. And then I'll hear about it. We'd go get some of them Christmas ornaments. We'd go down there and knock on the door. His fellow, he'd come to the door. I remember he had overalls. He had a big old billfold, and he was legally blind. And we'd say, we're out selling Christmas ornaments in June. That's what we did. You get all you want from $1. He said, well, give me a couple ornaments. He said, I can't see, boys. He said, now, look in there, and he'd get you a dollar out of that billfold. We'd get a dollar, and we'd be back a week later selling more ornaments. He, knew, he probably knew what was going on. It cost one dollar to go to the pool. We'd go to the pool and swim, stay all day. After I got saved, summertime came. And I remember going down there and uh, got my dollar paid, went in, put my towel down, pulled that shirt off, jumped in the pool, and I'm going to tell you something. As soon as my feet hit the pool, something bigger than me rose up inside said you don't need to be here no more this ain't for you I didn't even know that was the Holy Ghost I just knew by the time I got to the other side of that pool and got out I needed to get out of that place I went over and put my shirt on and picked that towel up and brother not even knowing but I felt such victory in my soul I didn't even know what it meant, but I knew when I went in that water, I felt so bad. But I knew when I came out, I felt so good. I said, I'm never going back there again. And I'm telling you, by the grace of God, I've never went back there again. I'm telling you this morning, there's victory if you want it. But the flesh has to die. And I know it ain't popular preaching. But it's the only thing going to get us over the river. Amen. I'm not listening. I'm telling you this morning, it's still a sin to go to the beach and strip off naked. Somebody say amen. It's still a sin to go to the lake, pull all your clothes off in this church on Sunday night. Amen. I'm telling you, it's still a sin. Amen. Uh, you ought to wear clothes in the summertime. Amen. Like you do in the wintertime. Can I get a witness on that? Uh, I'm telling you, you ought to cover that nakedness. Uh, I wasn't even, at least I've been saved about a year and a half. Uh, I'll tell you what the Holy Ghost did. Uh, about six months later, he called me to preach. Uh, you can say amen or old me, but I'm telling you one thing. Uh, there's some victory come up in my soul. Uh, and I bless the Lord. I Bless the Lord. I still feel victory in my soul this morning. After all the years, I thank God for tearing down that old summer parlor in my life. Hallelujah. Woo, praise God. I wouldn't trade what I feel in my soul right now for all the money in this world. I'm telling you, if you'll tear down some parlors, let the flesh die, you'll have victory. Amen. I'm going to tell you why I preach this way, boy. Because I see a lot of good members, good people. I see them sitting on the edge. You're on the edge. And you're going to be out. 
you don't hear what I'm telling you this morning. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. You get out, your children will pay for it. So you're trying to scare me. No, I'm trying to warn you. I've been here long enough, I could give you a list of names as long as this arm right here. Who people didn't listen. And they went and did what they want to do. They self-indulged, let the flesh. Not only did they pay for it, they paid for it through their children. And you read that Bible, it happens all through there. Second, third, fourth generation. Still happens today. I just want to help you have victory. I want us to stay on the... I tell you, there's so many dead churches across this country. There was a time loading up and going to revival meetings, and I, I look forward to these good places to go to. There's a lot of dry places. And I don't ever want it to happen here. And this morning as we stand, I've been longer preaching than I normally would, but I had to get the burden out this morning. Tear down some parlors in your life. I tell you, he went back. Ehud went back and he led this crowd to victory. I'll tell you where Eglon was sitting in that summer parlor. It's an interesting thought. You know where it was built? Right where Jericho was. A place of cursing. Tonight or this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I don't want to engage or do anything that would cause me to lose where I need to be at with God. Things may not be sin in and of themselves, but when we self-indulge, when we just take in too much, that's, that's when it becomes sin. Brother Gravely, can I not have a, a cookout on a Sunday evening? Why, of course you can. Can I not go to the lake? Of course you can. Can I not, can I not go camping? Of course you can. Is it okay to, to play ball? Well, of course it is. Don't self-indulge. Don't feed the flesh. And as she plays softly, some have already come. Please do business with God if you need to. If you need to come, would you please come? It ain't, it ain't about me this morning. And I don't want you to come if you don't feel the need. But I tell you, if the Holy Spirit spoke to you particularly this morning, then please come. Too much of anything, even a good thing, can become a bad thing when you self-indulge. Don't let the flesh rule your life. Let the Spirit of God. Father, bless this invitation. Lord, I want to thank you for your presence, and I pray you'll bless now in Jesus' name as he sings.